Okay. So we just scouted in here, and the colors are fucking ugly. So Sampab wants to shoot the whole movie in black and white. Schindler's List black and white? What, is he nuts? Uh, no, I'm a fucking filmmaker. And any filmmaker worth their salt would know that the colors in this place are fucking ghastly. The only way you could deal with them is to neutralize them by going in black and white, which will also kind of act as a commentary on the soulless nature of commerce, while subliminally giving the audience the impression that they're watching our heroes from the perspective of an imaginary store security cam. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. That's what an artist thinks. Yep. But, you know, it's up to you. However, I'm shooting it in black and white. Or I ain't shooting it at all, motherfucker. That's right. Well done, William. <laughs> I can clap on command. Yay! Oh, your struggle with basic motor skills is at an end. Finally. Hello, America, and welcome back once again to Podcast Part 3, The Part 3 Podcast, your official premiere podcast for all things about movies that came after two other movies. As always, I am Sam. And I am Will. And uh, today we're talking about uh, a movie from the ripe old year of 2022. It's Kevin Smith's Clerks 3, a movie that, if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't really know existed, or at least forgot existed, until Will reminded me <laughs> in our last episode. Uh, and so, yes, we are talking about the the the, the ninth uh, and latest uh, chapter in the View Universe, a, 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 a indie comedies only expanded universe of films. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other, um, you know, cinematic universe is the Tarantino Rodriguez stuff, which and, has, and that's, and that's tenuous. That, is that's... that only because Michael Parks shows up as the same sheriff in a bunch of them, <laughs> even though he died and from *Dust Till Dawn*? Yeah, well, and I guess in in um, is it *Reservoir Dogs* where they talk about Alabama from *True Romance*? Yeah, and, but yeah. the Alabama they're talking about in *Reservoir Dogs* doesn't line up with Alabama no. from *True Romance*, which is neither a Robert Rodriguez or a Quentin Tarantino film, lest we forget. True, true, and they they changed the ending of the of *True* the original *True Romance* script, so I guess the the reference doesn't make any sense anyway. Yes. So well, I mean, uh, speaking of movies where the character main character was originally supposed to die at the end. Uh, and didn't uh let's uh we're, we're talking about the clerk clerks clerks is a a landmark uh piece of uber low budget indie uh filmmaking it's the evil dead of slacker workplace comedies <laughs> and even more so because it's all about you know it's all about white nerds kvetching about nerd shit and yeah that you know. I think that's that's kind of where it what makes it significant. It is one of the first movies where nerds talk about nerd shit in the movie. Yeah, I mean it's like they argue about Star Wars and talk like like nerds do. I mean, you know, and and the minutia of pop culture and it's not it's not in that sort of stylized Tarantino way where they're where they're talking about like weird obscure 70s movies uh it's like they're just talking about nerd shit it's uh i mean i think that 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 is i think kevin smith's lasting mark on pop culture i think is that right for sure I mean, yeah 
And it's also, it's, you know, perhaps was the most successful in at its time in 1994 of what was at the, that point like a wave of like indie Sundance darlings. You had Slacker, Richard Linklater's Slacker. You had Soderbergh with Sex, Lies, and Videotape. You had Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs. All of those were coming out like 92, 93, 94, and just really jump-starting independent cinema as, you know, in, in, into the art house cinema we know of today where it's not just foreign films or grindhouse shit it's 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 ported over to an american filmmaking sensibility and then uh all of it sloughed off of uh cinema's greatest walking botulism harvey weinstein <laughs> uh over the course of the next 10 or so years yeah yeah and uh you know i think more so with like clerks you know bringing up evil dead i think and and El Mariachi, it's sort of like these are it's these are filmmakers who basically I'm gonna make the movie and I'm gonna do whatever I can to make it and it's it's not they had a ton of funds they just sort of said I'm gonna get a camera and get my friends or whoever I can get to be in this movie and we're gonna do it and it's just we're just it's a down and dirty and you know Kevin Smith was working at a convenience store and said well I'll write a movie about working at a convenience store and yeah. we'll shoot at night and I'll write into the script a reason why there's no light coming in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I'll just shoot on my off hours. I'll, I'll max out my credit cards and I just, I have to make this movie. And that's, uh, you know, I think even maybe more so than Rodriguez, who uh, I think had a little bit more ambition in terms of narrative ambition than Smith does. I, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think all these other directors maybe had more <laughs> narrative or visual ambition than Kevin Smith. And I say that I love Kevin Smith. I I will defend Kevin Smith, but like... yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I mean, you know, <laughs> and well, I think Kevin Smith would probably even agree with you on that. I, I you know, he's always been very upfront about his uh, his uh, directorial prowess, as it were. Yeah, which, but if you know, he owns up to it. But at the same time, I think his lack of a directorial style has seriously hindered some of his really some of his best scripts along well, the way. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I think. In order to talk about this movie, we do have to talk about his career because this is a movie that is a filmmaker feeling nostalgic for the beginning of his career and wondering if he should keep making movies. That's like that's the thesis of the movie, right? I mean, yeah, that in and, a and and my conspiracy theory now that in fact Kevin Smith during the making of Clerks had a friend whose wife had died and had a heart attack and died, and all the stuff in Clerks actually happened to this dude, and Kevin Smith stole it and parlayed it into a film career. Kevin Smith, so is, not, Kevin Smith is not Dante, he's, he's Randall. He's Randall, right. Yeah. And this is his confession, much like The Shining is Kubrick's confession about faking the moon landing. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd buy it. I'd buy it, because that's what this movie also feels like in a lot of ways. Like, it, it, it does feel like it's a... It's, uh, a remembrance of a friend. Um, but what friend? Right, exactly. Or is it just yeah, a yeah. part of himself, you know? I don't know. It just, it feels like a, a filmmaker who's just like, almost, uh, yeah, who's nostalgic for like, the time when he had to max out his credit cards to make a movie. I think it's, I think a big part of it is also, this is the, uh, yeah, it is, it's a bittersweet uh, reflection on what, you know, 
why he got into filmmaking in the first place. It's the right. it's the melancholy reflective version of the sto- making of Clerks, whereas Zack and Miri make a porno is the fun, goofy reflection right. on on making Clerks. You know, it's a very strange movie uh, in that sense because it doesn't. I don't think it entirely works. No, um, no, no. And uh, but I, the closest analog I could think about it is. Um, is the Preston Sturges movie um, Sullivan's Travels because that movie is about a filmmaker during the Depression being like, should I be making like comedies? This scene, everyone's miserable. Why should I be making comedies? And coming at the end being like, no, I should be making comedies. And, and not this is not as good as Sullivan's Travels, but it is sort of that weird sort of filmmaker ruminating on the art of filmmaking and whether or not he should keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Which you don't see, uh, I mean, you see every year you see movies about movie making because they win Best Picture every year because Hollywood loves a love letter to cinema and a love letter to Hollywood. But you rarely see a a movie about a filmmaker reflecting on, like, the story they want to tell. Right, exactly. So like like you said, Clerks was the beginning of what's known as the View Ask Universe, which is nine movies, um... All written and directed by Kevin Smith. So you have Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks Two, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and Clerks Three. Right. I think that's all of them. Plus the Clerks animated series, which honestly is the best thing that's ever come out of the Clerks franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, those those six episodes are all kind of brilliant. Yeah. And <laughs> and they're they're so good, and you wonder why in the hell ABC thought these belonged on network television. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then of course, so yeah, we've we've talked about chasing Amy as the third movie in this shared universe, the third Jay and Silent Bob movie, essentially. Right. And that's a completely different beast. Chasing Amy is was at the time probably Kevin Smith at the peak of his like critical success, right? Uh, tackling like a very nuanced story under the guise of being kind of a rom com. It's a it's very nineties in its tone, in its look and feel, and in its uh, uh, addressing of LGBT issues. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Um, I think I, I will say that for the most part, uh, the the phrase I'm going to keep using with all of these movies is it, it's his heart's in the right place. Yeah, I mean it, it, that is a movie that is that it's very much of. I mean, I haven't. To be fair, I don't think I've seen it in probably about over ten years. But um, what I remember of it is it's a movie of its time. It's you know it, it's that movie apart from. Um, uh, J- Jason Mewes as Jay, Kevin Smith as Silent Bob, and references to characters that appeared in Clerks and Mallrats. It's its own movie, just like yeah. Mallrats is its own movie. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, Mallrats might be the one of all nine movies that's held up the best, <laughs> even though it was like a spectacular failure at the time. Yeah, well, because it's like the... It's the studio comedy version of of clerks basically it's you know it's the slackers sort of walking or wandering around and it's got you know a ton of actors who would go on to become superstars or or pretty decent stars in their own right and uh it's 
Yeah, I mean, I also haven't seen that in probably over a decade, but I think you're probably right. It it holds up. The quality of the enduring quality of any Kevin Smith movie from the 90s and early 2000s is directly proportional to the sheer volume of gay panic jokes in it, which is why I don't think anyone should probably seek out Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back anymore. Yeah. So that and which is insanely how I came into the Kevin Smith uh, filmography is I rented Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, a movie that is only references to, <laughs> to four the other, prior other movies. movies and <laughs> is not very good. It's, no. the, it's the kind of movie you think is funny when you're a 13-year-old boy, but <laughs> it's like I saw it the same weekend I saw Office Space for the first time, and, you know, that movie is, uh, you know, a masterpiece, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is... Uh, a a one a, a very fluffy homophobic romp. <laughs> I mean, it was actually pretty controversial at the time for all the homophobic jokes too. Which is all insane, the gay which panic is jokes. So weird because Kevin Smith is not like I don't. He's not a guy that like seeks out that kind of comedy. No, it just I think he just leaned into Jason J- Jay's gay panic uh latent homosexuality humor way too much in one movie you gotta yeah you gotta spread it out especially (laughs) from a filmmaker who had attempted to tackle that kind of comedy in a thoughtful way you know successfully or not is open to debate in prior films right and he's a filmmaker that also you know had right before that done dogma which is you know i don't know if i'd call it a good looking movie but it's probably his most ambitious script at the time yeah, I mean, and it's also the movie that I think is kind of forgotten now when you, when talking about Kevin Smith. Well, I mean, it's, I think, it's his Dawn of the Dead. You can't get it anywhere. Well, right, because, thank, thank because you. Harvey, Thanks, Harvey Weinstein Harv. owns yeah Harvey Weinstein owns the rights and yeah. uh, <laughs> the Clerks trilogy is like um uh like like many great trilogies owned by three different distributors. You can't find <laughs> it all in one place. It is all in print, miraculously, except for the animated series. But um, it's yeah, yeah. The animated series was on Hulu for a chunk yeah, of time. Yeah, the DVDs are like eighty-five dollars on yeah. uh, Amazon now. Uh, but but Dogma is his most ambitious script for for sure. It's sure. just action. Hey 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 hey. Uh, sorry, the cats are fighting. Uh, it's this this action comedy. Thoughtful meditation on faith with a lot of dick jokes. It is so weird. It's, it is, a, it's it's a movie I don't think anyone thinks about as being so strange, but it is. It's really weird. Yeah, and it's got a stacked cast. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. He he is a hard filmmaker to pin down because yeah, it's it's very easy to just point to Jay and Silent Bob. It's this weed and dick humor, but every one of his movies either has more comedy than that going on or is trying to tackle bigger ideas than that. Uh, right. You know, Clerks, Clerks 2, and Clerks 3 are all, like, a, a guy reflecting on his life in his 20s, in his 30s, and then in his, uh, you know, 40s or 50s, however old uh, Dante's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that's uh, and that's what's interesting. I mean, I haven't... How much of his post... Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back output. Have you have you seen? Um, Sam? a little bit. I've seen, I've seen Zach and Mary make a porno. Yeah. I have not seen Cop Out, but I don't think anyone counts Cop Out. Uh, no. Um, I've seen Red State, but I have not seen his other two horror movies. I've not seen Tusk or Yoga Hosers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've 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 seen Zach and Mary and Jersey Girl. So I haven't. Oh, seen... oh my God, I forgot all about Jersey right. Girl. I, I haven't seen sort of any of the other. 
you know, any of his other movies. I mean, Jersey Girl I saw on a bus because they just played it, and I actually ended up being kind of charmed by it. I, um, I mean, that's the thing is, it's, it's he's often a victim of circumstance, too. Jersey Girl right. was the other Ben and J-Lo movie that came out. So <laughs> right. that was when we as a society were in one of our, like, you know, quarter quarter century let's all just shred ben affleck for no reason right exactly (laughs) yeah so that was kind of a victim i mean it's a perfectly serviceable family comedy um it actually feels like a real movie uh which some of his stuff doesn't um and zach and miri is pretty good too as like far as studio comedies go i mean it was him trying to do kind of an apatow thing yeah um, that's true but uh other than other than and clerks too i guess which counts as post jay and silent bob strike back but uh his other stuff his sort of more direct to video stuff i guess you'd say i have not seen well so I yeah i haven't seen jay and silent bob reboot i haven't no. seen um yeah i didn't see i only saw red state which is red state is the first and maybe only movie he's done where i'm like oh wow this is like visually looks good yeah, like yeah. He's, he he really he brought his a game for that He's just a, he's a filmmaker that, you know, and also he is a filmmaker with a personality of his own. The best thing you can find by Kevin Smith is all his, like, uh, one-man shows he does at colleges. The Evening with Kevin Smith DVDs are incredible because he tells the stories of, you know, after Chasing Amy and Mallrats, he gets brought in to work on the Tim Burton Superman. And that's where we get Nick Cage fighting a giant mechanical spider, which is now... In the Flash. In the multiverse. <laughs> and, you know, and we, he talks about his his clashes with Tim Burton and making that documentary for Prince that never saw the light of day. And, and you know, he's, he's a fascinating guy. And he's really been, like, he has been a Hollywood presence for, you know, 30 years now. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's somewhat, you know, for better or worse, he is maybe more interesting than the movies he makes now. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, he's gotten really into... Po- I mean, he was one of the first guys to get really into podcasting. Yes, that's and, true, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I think you're right. I think his personality is kind of outsized the movies, uh, especially when you talk about things like... Again, I haven't seen them, so I can't talk about their merits as movies, but things like Tusk and Yoga Hosers, which, like, wasn't Tusk made as, like, a joke? That was, like... like or the pitch was a joke the or something like that? The pitch was a joke, but the movie, he's taking it... He's I've seen enough of it that it's like he's he's taking it seriously up until the point that Johnny Depp shows up in the right. like and then that character in his like Johnny Depp doing what I can only describe as like someone trying to parody Benoit Blanc from Knives <laughs> Out but not doing as good a job. Right. Uh and he did that in that and then that character's a bigger character in Yoga Hosers, a movie that I've only seen clips of and just looks terrible. Yeah. It's like it's not he's not even trying with yoga hosers, which I think also Lily Rose Depp and his daughter Harley Quinn Smith are both in Tusk and they play those same characters. He, he got way into like making like Canadian movies there for a hot second. Yeah, well, he also I mean he's been a longtime fan of Degrassi, the yeah. uh, the Canadian teen soap, which. This Clerks Three uses the theme song at one point, um, but uh, and he directed a couple episodes of that um, show in like two thousand five or six. So I think like he's maybe he and the probably the Canadian tax breaks and all that stuff. Maybe that 
made him be like, I'm going to make some stuff in Canada. But you I don't, don't have to make, you don't have to just keep drawing attention to the fact that it's in Canada. <laughs> like it's so aggressively Canadian <laughs> and you're not like the letter Kenny guys. You don't, it doesn't, you don't come by it honestly. You're not actually from Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Clerks 2 and Clerks 2 feels like a very different beast than Clerks 3. Clerks 2, I feel like that might've been like the last moment the US universe felt like it was like, made for the big screen yeah yeah absolutely and i mean clerks too feel i mean it doesn't even feel like the original clerks outside of having the same characters I mean, yeah it's it, not it, at the quick stop you know it, it, it feels like a movie movie like it like has like a structure which clerks the first clerks kind of does but not really well see, you uh, forgive the original clerks the way you forgive like evil dead it's it's right. rough the fact that it's so rough around the edges is part of its charm Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. But I just mean that Clerks 2 is very, very classically like Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, you yeah. know? It's not, um, it's not as sort of like episodic as, as Clerks, and it's not, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not as plotty as Dogma, because Dogma sort of has like a big plot, you know? Um, and uh, it doesn't have the romance to sort of hang on like, like Chasing Amy. So it's, uh, it feels more like a... a a studio comedy is sort of wrong, but that's kind of what it feels like. But it's also like him... It's closer to Mallrats, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, but it, it is. It, it's him sort of grappling with, like, well, what does it mean to be a father now? What does it mean to have like start having a family? And what does it mean to put down stakes? And, yeah. you know... What's my what, what's my contribution here and that kind of thing. And it ends with like you know Dante taking a little more control over his life. You know he's right. been all three of the movies are all about Dante staying in his like comfort zone at the expense of his own happiness. You know, and right. finally at the end of Clerks two, he realizes the woman he's really in love with, uh, and she's pregnant with his kid. But don't get attached to that. No. Uh, so you know the happy ending of Clerks 2? Apparently within nine months of that, <laughs> Rosario Dawson got killed real hard. Yeah, that is one of the strangest setups for a sequel. A comedy sequel, no less, I think. It's like it's like Rocky Balboa, you know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like Adrian's dead, Paulie's dead. Yeah, <laughs> When when I realized what was happening, my jaw hit the floor, especially because the way that Clerks 3 begins, it doesn't, this is all sort of backgrounded amongst a bunch of really bad jokes and like really like you get one, you get one indication that, that Becky, Rosario Dawson's character is, is no longer with us. Right. Um, And in all the marketing, you wouldn't think that the character was dead. Like she's marketed, like she's right there along for the ride. Um, like the shot of them in the movie theater. They're not. Right. They're not in a movie theater. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, spoilers. Uh, I think the only way to talk about this movie is to spoil it. So, um, here's a spoiler warning for Clerks Three. <laughs> just right here now. I'm not going to spoil it, just as we go. Oh, we're gonna spoil oh, oh in general. Oh, I was like, in do, general. do you want me to tell them? No, 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 no. no. I just mean in general that we're going to spoil the movie as we talk. Yes. So. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert for Clerks 3. It's on Paramount+. Plus. If you, I mean, don't go into it cold. If you've never seen any of these other movies, it won't make a goddamn lick of sense to you. <laughs> Ugh, no, but uh, yeah. Even so, if you have seen the other movies, you're not going to recognize Ethan Suplee because he's all no. jacked now. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and I had to Jason... go back. I had to go back. I was like, damn, Ethan Suplee looks like <laughs> he looks like Braun Strowman. Like, yeah. Good for yeah. him. Yeah, especially because, you know, post-Mallrats, like, he shows up in American History X, and he's huge. Yeah, he was like, real big, like that in Butterfly Effect. He was, yeah, he was yeah, real yeah. big, and, like, I think his health was a real issue for a while. And he was, he's always, like, Ethan Suplee, who's in, I mean, he's just in Mallrats, but he's been, like, he was... He's, he's been everywhere, yeah. yeah. The, the view askew adjacent, my name is Earl, you know, right, he was right. in that. Anyway, so the only way to talk about Clerks 3 is to spoil it, so... Um, we're going to spoil it yeah. <laughs> as we talk. Um, but yes, the, so they, they killing off Rosario Dawson, pregnant Rosario Dawson, halfway, you know, off screen. Um, it's just a very strange choice. And because that emotional beat is so buried under what I can only di- like, it just feels like just self-indulgent nonsense for the first like 20 minutes of this movie. You know that thing when we were in film school where, you know, each one of us had our own editing style, our different, <laughs> all our different ways we would poorly edit something? Yeah. Um, our friend uh, Flanagan was all about, you know, keep it tight, keep it light, keep it right. And that was like, shave like one frame off every cut. Kevin. <laughs> Mother of God. <laughs> Yes. It's just there's something <laughs> off about the rhythm, especially in that first 15 minutes. Every no one seems to be and no one that is talking to anyone and they seem to be in the same shots. Right. It, it's it's just it, there's something really clunky about it, especially in a movie that doesn't look like Clerks where right. you can forgive it for running by the seat of its pants. This is a movie that it's like is done by a much more a, 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 a pro, professional in a, in a professional yeah. by professionals in an age where technology you know you can make a movie on your phone with your eyes closed and it can and it can look like something that costs you know ten million dollars like you don't have to uh, you don't have to work that hard at it and and every scene I just in my notes I have written like why are these scenes so long yeah <laughs> like it just feels like that like. When Justin Long shows up in that the the hospital scene, well, it feels like it just goes like it feels like the scene's going on for five years. Did, like it just keeps going and I, going I, I, and I going. I didn't look it up, and I don't want to sound like an asshole, but did Justin Long have a stroke or something? Why was he talking like that? I think he was do I think it was a choice. Was it a That's bit like what I thought? But it's I like it your main character's having a heart attack. Amy Sedaris shows up and she's being silly, but she's being real. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then he comes in with this, like, Jimmy Stewart voice, and it's just... Uh, I, I, I have no problem with, like, excessive cameos in a movie, especially right. a movie like this, but you gotta you gotta pick your spots. You gotta, you gotta do time and place for, like, the funny voice and, and the absurdity. And, yeah. Know, and especially when you've, you've, when you've got Amy Sedaris and she's done her funny bit, you don't need to hang... Put another funny bit on. That's a hat on a hat, you know? Yeah. And I, and exactly. I don't... I'm not... Like, he... I don't. I have no business telling Kevin Smith how to do his job, but no. it is just like it's like that first. This is a the first twenty minutes of this movie is rough. It's yeah, it's really hard, and and uh, it almost turned me off from the whole movie. Um, to be honest, it felt like I was like, how is this possibly more amateurish than the original Clerks? And it um, was, I'm I'm putting it on the list with um, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. I don't ever need to see black hear black parade by my chemical romance in a movie ever again <laughs> right up there with your rhythmics i'm sorry it's on it's it's on the no fly list i'm done 
Yeah, it's so it just it was like, oh my god, what is happening? And every scene just felt like it was going on too long. But then the movie started to change as it started moving into this section where the emotional stuff started coming to the foreground and they started doing the movie when they started making the first clerks essentially because what happens is Randall has a heart attack and decides that he wants to make a movie about working at a convenience store much like Kevin Smith wanted to make a yeah, movie he's going to make clerks he's going to make yeah. the first yeah he's going to make the original clerks with some added stuff from clerks 2 thrown in there yeah donkey show <laughs> got to have the donkey show <laughs> Um, and that's when it started to win me over. Uh, and it started, it, they, they brought in all, almost all the surviving actors from the original clerks to like rehash their bits, which is like just so fucking weird as like a movie yeah. idea. It, like, it's, it's uh, yeah, like it, 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 when it gets into that, it's doing that better than Zack and Miri make a porno did. Right. Yeah. Cause that movie's trying to have it, but that movie never really feels invested in making a porn the, the right. porno that movie's not raunchy enough somehow right yeah, Whereas exactly. this movie is gonna is is doing away with the you know metaphor and it's just we're making clerks right you know but it's also this is the story of like don randall realizing welcome to the new theme on podcast part three toxic codependency it's a well and it's a yeah, hallmark and... of of prequels as it turns out <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, Randall and and Dante are starting to learn that they are are yeah toxically codependent on each other, which is actually something I think Kevin Smith writes almost better than anyone else. Like especially in the uh, original Fuskew movies. Yeah, his writing of male friendships I think is very on point. Yeah, I think that's he really the thing does understand it. In Chasing Amy, it is the thing that he does best is the relationship between Ben Affleck and Jason Lee in that movie is is yeah. the strongest part. There's a lot of other stuff around that, but that is like that relationship it feels very genuine and it's very well done and has some of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of those things that and when that stuff is foregrounded in this movie, um that's when it started to win me over. It was Right about halfway through <laughs> yeah. the movie. Right, uh, same with um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in Dogma, really, when yeah. you think about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. The only um, friendship that is not toxic and codependent and never needs reflecting on is Jay and Silent Bob. Right. They right. they have their differences, but they are always going to be ride or die. <laughs> they need each other. Yeah, they, they don't work without each other. It's not even, you know. It's so funny. You were saying, we were talking about this earlier, and it is, you watch from Clerks to this one. It is watching Jason Mewes, like, the, watching him go from being, like, just a genuine weirdo that they found and put in the movie <laughs> to being, like, an actual actor to being, you know, like, he, he now this, like, he's he's arguably the best actor in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, outside of, like outside of Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. I, it's Jason, like... Jason Mewes and his uh, and his veneers. Right. Yeah, that's one thing that was like was like, oh my god, his teeth. Yeah. No. <laughs> See those things on Mars. I'm like, Jesus. I'm happy for you, man. But <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the best actor in the movie is Rosario Dawson, but you know, well, right. She, right. she she's she's dead. She's a she's a force ghost, basically. <laughs> Is it because, is it partially because uh, uh, 
Brian O'Halloran has like aged normally and Rosario <laughs> Dawson has stayed the same age her whole career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's probably it. I yeah. mean, uh, that or that and also she's, you know, she's Ahsoka. She's off fighting Jedi. She's fighting Sith Lord. <laughs> she's busy. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but yeah, and then that's when it was when it hit me. It's like this is when they're you know the the stretch of the movie when they're making clerks and all the the cameos from the original cast of clerks start coming in. It's like yeah, this is a filmmaker ruminating on his legacy in a way that is just you just don't see, you know. And and you get the sense sometimes that maybe he's making this movie or even probably Jay and Silent Bob reboot because he just wants to be around those people again. Right, exactly. I mean, and, and you know, it's one of those things where, and I think part of it is, like, this movie won me over, is it was like, yeah, he wants to make movies hanging out with his friends and family, his wife's in this movie, his daughter's in this movie, you know, and his, like, Jason Mewes was, like, one of his best friends. Like, it's just, you know, it's like he just is doing it. I, I think there is something to be said for, like, whatever other shortcomings the movie has or Kevin Smith as a filmmaker has he genuinely loves these characters. He loves yeah. Dante and Randall. He loves Jay and Silent Bob. And that's not something you can say about every artist that spent that many years with a character. I mean, you know, like, how, how does Harrison Ford feel about Han Solo? How do, you right. know, even like, how TV shows treat characters in season eight versus season one? Like, right. yeah. when, when did The Office clearly sort of just turn on you know, uh, like Jim and Pam as characters or something right. like that. It's like he, 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 he just, yeah, he loves, he wants to be in this world. He wants to spend time in this world and have fun with his friends and make a movie. And honestly, that's what we all should be wanting to do. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, this is not a great movie, but it's, I, I, I like I've said before, it's heart is in the right place. And it, the uh, affection shows on screen. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I think because the the core relationship of Dante and Randall is so well realized that when it does make this truly dark turn, um, I actually bought it when when you know Dante dies, and I was like, oh, I'm a this is affecting me. Like I'm I'm feeling sad. <laughs> I, I didn't have a problem with Dante dying. No, I didn't. I didn't I, either. I, but... I I was okay with it. I think. Um... I mean, I might have changed the journey to get there in some yeah. way or f shape or form. Just, you know, I think, I don't know. I think, I mean, the Rosario Dawson dying and his, you know, unborn yeah. child dying. It's, it's, it's a big leap to get over. But, and, you know, I don't know if necessarily Brian O'Halloran's performance is enough to like sell how much that gutted him. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, it's, it, you, I think it's. You know, it, I don't know if it 100% worked for me, but by the end of it, I, like you, I kind of came around to his arc as a character yeah. and his relationship with Randall, which is the real relationship you care about in the movie. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that the, the love that Smith has for the, the, these characters and this world is very palpable. And I think part of it is, and I can't really divorce it, is that like the the Kevin Smith, the Viewskew movies, particularly those first four, meant a lot to me when I was in high school, and and I have a big affection for them. Yeah, you know? they and, they definitely had an influence on me, even though I kind of came to them late in the game. But I came into them in that time period between like freshman in high school and going to college. Same time I was discovering, you know, uh, 
Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, right. discovering Evil Dead. You know, the movies that were like, oh, okay, I could do this. I could, exactly. You know, yeah. I could do this. And I'll, I won't mind letting another director <laughs> direct my script. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I mean, and that that was the. I mean, that was the thing. I I saw the first Clerks, uh, like, like the beginning of my of eighth grade or something like that. And it just it was like, oh, this guy. These are like this is how my friends and I talk about like nerd shit and like, yeah. You know, and I I ended up working at a at a grocery store and I was like, oh yeah, he understood what I was you know <laughs> what it was like working at a shitty job the, like the, this. The and, pantheon you know, of like nineties. Uh, slacker movies before the like Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn, Judd Apatow slacker before old school and those yeah. slacker <laughs> movies came along uh, are, are some definitely some of the most influential movies to me because I would put Big Lebowski's on there. I would yep. put Dazed and Confused. I oh, would yeah, put absolutely. Office Space. The like just the idea of like they were different than like the workplace comedies of TV, which were all multicam back then. Just the idea of people hanging around a space yeah and feeling yeah. stuck there but also finding you know making human connection there and i think you know that that's a broad brush to put all of those movies under but i think there's a connective tissue in all of them in that there was something like you wanted to go hang out at the bowling alley at with, right. with like like the dude you wanted to you know <laughs> You wanted to knock over your 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 cubicle job like an office space. You wanted you wanted to hang out at the Moon Tower. You wanted to right. hang out at the convenience store. You know, or or Empire Records even. Yes, like, yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah, I mean, High Fidelity them, as well. High Fidelity is another one. Yeah, I mean, all of them have like this this uh, this vibe about them that um, and a, and an emotional core. I think that um, I don't know that at least and and. It spoke to me as you know a middle class white heterosexual nerd. <laughs> well, I mean, to quote, uh, to quote one of our the great uh, cinematic achievements of our time, the final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, what's the most important thing? What's the most valuable thing? Stories. Yeah, and that's yeah. the third movie is also getting the point. It's like all you have when you've spent your whole life doing that are a bunch of stories and how do you commemorate that and right. and also realizing are the stories as important as the people in them you know right. it's the yeah. friendships we made along the way it's it's it is kind of timeless yeah. when it comes down to it the failure as with every single kevin smith movie are just the shortcomings in editing and uh shot composition and pacing you know but yeah. but you can it's i think it is a testament to his vision as a storyteller and as a writer and as an actor as well because he's on he, you know it's on screen pretty the much man the fucking the man is does not phone it in as silent bob you know no. that's for sure um I, I think it's a testament to all that that all of that shines through despite the fact that he hasn't necessarily evolved that much as a visual artist yeah yeah, and as I, and and to get back on subject, as a third movie, this one works like a charm. This yeah. does. This is the end of a trilogy for sure. Yeah, and uh, actually, I hadn't since I hadn't seen Clerks and Clerks Two in a while. I I was able to watch the first two before this one. Were you able to do it too? I or? was indeed. Yeah, it was. It was actually. It was like this is satisfying, and like in a way that like some of these other part threes. That yeah, if you are, trim out you all know. the other view askew stuff, these three work quite quite well. Yeah, the only I mean, thing in, you won't get is that um, uh, Harley Quinn Smith is supposed to be Jay's 
uh, daughter. Because <laughs> right. that's, that's from yeah, that's you, from Jane Silent Bob reboot, right? correct? Or, yeah, yeah, which I haven't seen. Uh, so. Millie Millennium Falcon is her name. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> which is uh, almost as silly as Han in Tokyo Drift's real name is Han Sol O. Really? Yeah, that's his real. That's oh, his full boy. name. I mean, I think. I think maybe they've can they've they've officially retconned that and given him like a real dig a, a dignified <laughs> name of an an actual like Chinese or I don't even know what the character's supposed to be. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get to Tokyo Drift soon enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, and and it it completes everyone's arc, and uh, I mean, I guess they, they make reference to. Um, to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, I'm assuming, because Jay, Jay says, we've been on a movie set twice. That's true. That is true. You it's know. all there. It's yeah. all, you know, all the other movies get referenced in one way or another. You see Blunt Man and Chronic in the background. You see That's the, right. the Buddy Christ is there. You know? <laughs> and movies. Movies. Uh, and one, do you think that they talk about in this universe the weird murders that happened at the corporate offices of movies? Or did you think that God covered that up? Well, I was thinking about this because um, <laughs> Brian O'Halloran shows up in all five original View Askew movies. Uh, right. You know, he's Dante and Clerks, and he's Dante and Jan Silent Bob Strike Back. But in, the, in between, he's three other guys right. all named Hicks. Right. He's a guy named he's like like Daryl or Gil Hicks. He's he, right. I mean, he's Gil Hicks who showed up on a dating show uh, in Mallrats. He's an right. MTV executive with the last name Hicks in uh, Chasing Amy. And then he was a reporter who was murdered on camera by an angel <laughs> in Dogma. So does right. Dante talk about his cousin who cousin. was straight up <laughs> murdered by Bartleby the Angel? Yeah, I wonder how if that is that if that's ever brought up in the oh, uh, USQ universe. I'm guessing Alanis Morissette like wiped everyone's memories. That would after that's that. probably that's yeah. probably the the way you can get around that. Yeah, that would be my assumption. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, God. it just occurred to me when they went to movies. I was like, does anyone talk about how like the corp- entire corporate office was basically murdered? <laughs> Which is why if you go back and watch that movie. Um, Every corporate executive is a heavyset stuntman because originally it was going to be like a John Woo esque murder sequence. Right, right. Yeah, actually, uh. one of the best things uh, to do with old Kevin Smith movies, like the Mallrats commentary, is the funniest thing in the world. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. He embraced all that stuff like before a lot of the other filmmakers did. Like he had a, a heavy internet presence like early on, and uh, and and he did commentaries that were very like unfiltered. I mean, he had yeah. like all everyone you know everyone involved in the movie pretty much yeah. like on no, them. And... Some of the funniest shit Ben Affleck's ever done is in those commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and they were. It was a, a big deal. That yeah. Dogma DVD was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, the two disc. I still the have two that. disc one. I yeah, still got that too. one. The Mall Rats DVD and uh, Chasing Amy was on the fucking Criterion collection. Criterion. So. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely yeah he cared about like Robert Rodriguez. And I think we talked about this with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He cared about like showing the nuts and bolts of what he was doing. He's yeah. I mean. He's not a pretentious filmmaker in any way, shape, or form. No. I think, I think, I think that's to his credit. Like he's definitely not for everyone, as a as a pers- personality or as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like like <laughs> watching this movie was like when I watched these kind of slacker movies with my dad, 
I took my dad to see Shaun of the Dead. And because I'd seen it like three times already. And I was like, everyone has to see this movie. It's magnificent. And I took him to see it. And about 10 minutes in, he leans over to me and goes, this guy is such a fucking loser. He's really pissing me off. (laughs) But then he gets into the zombies show up. He gets into it. It's kind of that was my reaction to Clerks 3. The first time I was like, I want to fucking kill all these people. They're such (laughs) losers. But then they get into the actual story. And I think they just maybe could have gotten into it quicker. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, well, I think that's the problem, and, and it just, it feels like the first 20 or so minutes, really the first act, I guess, just kind of feels like just Kevin Smith kind of playing the hits, or just sort of trying to do the old thing, or trying to bring in all these cameos, or, I, I don't know, it just, it something's really off in those, the first chunk of this movie, and it just, yeah. it, it, like, it really was a tough sit, and then... As I said, it just, it kind of, as the emotion, as the actual story started going, as the emotional stuff started coming to the foreground, despite how, like, unbearably bleak it is, um, it won me over. Well, we're just coming off the Planet of the Apes. Anything seems sunny after that. (laughs) Yeah, true. But, uh, but, I mean, the, the... Having your, (laughs) having your, your leads, romantic interest pregnant romantic interest die in a car crash off screen is like unbelievably sad <laughs> like, just, like just unbelievable like like i understand why that that wasn't brought up at the beginning and the you know why no one brings it up in the beginning because it hangs over the movie <laughs> yeah they do a pretty good job of sort of slow walking it in, I guess. Yeah, you know, they don't yeah. they don't really beat you over. It's not Alien Three. You know, no, it doesn't open no. with her death. With the, with the, with the, the with dead, the, the dead, dead Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I, I I say as a part three, as the end of a trilogy, it is incredibly satisfying. It's if if you like the first two, this is this is the ending. This is the closure. I think you know it's it is. It does right by those characters. So, you know, for all my my many, many, many notes about it, <laughs> uh, hats off to Kevin Smith. You know, yeah. good job. It worked out in the end. It did, sort of. Well, not on, not in the movie, but <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, as as a movie, not for Dante. <laughs> no, not for Dante. Well, I guess he he's in heaven with with the with Rosario Dawson. Yeah, he's, so I guess he's, it works out. He, uh, fucking celebrities in heaven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess that means it's my turn to it pick is. the movie. And um, this one's topical. And all I will say is, Will, your mission, should you choose to accept it. Oh, yeah, this will be fun. You know, Will hated the Mission Impossible movies until about a week ago. Uh, yeah, so I hated these movies until about a week ago when I mainlined all six of them. And um, I actually think they're pretty great. And I would love to talk about Mission Impossible 3 because I actually, it was one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it re- revived the franchise. Yeah. You know, it, it, after I watched recent, I was, I've been watching them like sort of out of order. And I watched, I started watching Mission Impossible 2 and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> We got to do a retrospective on John Woo's Great American Adventure, 1995 yeah. to 2005, because, whoa. 
<laughs> that movie is so aggressively 2000. It, like, the year 2000 in, like, movie form. Yep. It is so insane. Exploding Oakleys. Exploding Oakleys. Mask gag after mask gag. So many mask gags. And, Do Gray uh, Scott. And Limp Bizkit doing the, the theme song. And, uh, oh, man. <laughs> 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 cut to just new metal rapping. Yep. Yeah. Uh yes, but the Mission Impossible movies going strong, dead reckoning in theaters. Uh yeah. And uh yeah, no, I mean they're sneakily probably the best secret agent franchise going right now. They 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 filled a hole for a lot of people when James Bond stopped being fun. Yeah, and I think uh, they 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 retain that title until uh, and they're more polished. They're weirdly more grounded than your Marvel movies. Uh, and but they're Tom, still they're still fun. Like they're oh, still they're funny. So you much know? fun. Yeah, and fuck, man, Tom Cruise, man, he's just yeah. like. I think that's the problem with uh, Mission Impossible Two is they try to make him sexy, and yeah. he doesn't work when he's sexy. He works when he's married to like a normal person, like nice like suburban nurse it he doesn't like mi2 is trying to be a james bond it's trying to be a pierce brosnan bond movie and it doesn't work with him i don't buy it i don't buy him like seducing women yeah he doesn't yeah you like the suave you can buy him as being cool but you can't really buy him as being like the suave super secret agent like he he his ideal date is he wants to go free climbing he's like (laughs) i don't buy him wanting to make love to anybody yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll get into Tom Cruise too, just as a movie star, because he is, I mean, obviously off camera, he's an interesting fellow, but uh, <laughs> but he's yeah. he 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 holds a special spot in like eighties into modern day movie stardom, in that he yeah. is like a full on leading man. He's had his ups and downs, but he's also not. He's like a sex symbol, but without actually being a sex symbol. Like, he's got all the... Yeah. Like, uh, it's... What's that, the bit in American Psycho? He's like, I have all the appearances of Patrick Bateman, but I am simply not there. He's like, <laughs> he's got all the stuff of, like, 90s Brad Pitt without the that that... He's like, somehow... Daniel Craig can walk out of the ocean and be sexy, but if Tom Cruise does it at like shirtless in MI2, I don't buy it, and I don't yeah. know, wh- I don't know what that is exactly because the dude is charming as hell. Yeah, but we're gonna get into it because uh, you know, M- uh, Mission Impossible Three is the only one that attempts to give him a lasting romance. Yeah, I mean, and and it it causes a ripple effect through the series. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's it's one of those part threes that um, defines the series in in a number of ways and uh, yeah and I think it's the only part three as of right now that Tom Cruise has ever done so yeah I, I mean right. he, for a long time he would until well 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 wait hang, hang on now he was in Gold Member all right fair enough you're right <laughs> you're right all right. That's right. He comes in at the beginning of Goldmember. Oh, I mean, it's the, it's the only five minutes of Goldmember you need to see. <laughs> That's the movie my wife wants to guest on the show for, is Austin Powers in Goldmember. I'm like, you want to talk about Lord of the Rings? No, Goldmember. <laughs> uh, you know? I don't, it's fine. She got. She can talk about it with you. I, I You know how I feel about comedy sequels. <laughs> they are my kryptonite. 
Yeah, I don't I don't have uh, much affection for comedy sequels or Austin Powers sequels for that matter. So I mean, the first Austin Powers is is Chef's Kiss, but the other two, I I think I've only seen Spy Who Shagged Me once. So yeah, I I don't even think I've seen it all the way through. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's... I've seen the opening, but yeah. You know. I don't even know what the opening is. Oh, is that what? Well, the, I mean, the one I've seen the parts with Tom Cruise. When no, that's Goldmember. That, that's the third one. Yeah, I'm talking about the spy who shagged me. Oh, well, the, I've, that's I've only right, 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 that's right. the one where uh, I think that opens with him dancing naked through the hotel. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That uh, God, I saw that once in the theater, and I walked out, and it was just, I was like, it's just the same movie. It's the same jokes. Like they don't even. <laughs> yeah, but change it. he has a different girlfriend now. It's it's boogie <laughs> nights. Roller girls in it. <laughs> But we're not talking. We're not there yet. First, our M I I I I. Yeah, I'm glad the they J. gave J.J. Abrams one. Yes, J.J. Abrams' first theatrical oh, movie. Abrams, Kurtzman, Orsi out in yeah. force. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah. Before they, before they all turned evil. Yeah, took over Hollywood. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it's Abrams' best part three. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, J.J. Abrams is a, that's right, he's an alum on this, this oh, podcast. Oh, he looms large. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, there's really, uh, just in life and in the podcast, there's before Rise of Skywalker and after. <laughs> the movie, the movie that gave America COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Uh, look what you've made. <laughs> that being said, J.J. Abrams, I am available to work. Well, I guess not right now, because everyone's no, on strike. No, so, yeah. fucking scab. <laughs> Unless the strike's ended by the time I finish editing this in the next, you know, four days to six months. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, no, I am only available uh, for certain voiceover contracts under the, uh, uh, or uh, non-union shit for voiceover. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, it goes without saying, Will and I, even though we're just lowly members of the Animation Guild, stand with the WGA, stand yeah. with SAG-AFTRA. AFTRA, what's going on in Hollywood right now is the biggest stack of horse shit you've ever seen. People are just trying to do what they love and make a living, and these studios could not care less, and... If there is any justice in the world, they are going to be made sorry for that stance. Yep. I'm not saying we go with Ron Perlman to burn down their houses, but we... Not, not we, saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that if he goes, I will not stand in his way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, everything you said, I'm 100% behind, so... Yeah, it's, it's strange times in our business. It's a transitional period, uh... So, but everyone that is here, except maybe the members of the AMPTP, is here because we love doing this. Like yeah. Kevin Smith loves doing this. Like every filmmaker. It, if we, we, No one is here to be rich. And the people in the Writers Guild or in SAG-AFTRA that are rich are, are a very small percentage. And we're all here because this is the only thing we know how to do well, and we love doing it. And that sucks a lot of the time. I wish I had one other thing, like some trade I was good at that fulfilled me, but I don't. So I'm here, and we're going to be out on the picket line. And any way you can show your support, uh, do it. Because uh, 
whether you want to admit it or not, every person out there, someone in that group has done something that's uh, made you laugh or made you cry or influenced your, the way you've looked at the world. It's art. Whether or not it, it's it's a commodity, but it is also art because uh, the way people see it makes it art. Yep. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Will agrees with me, as I do. always. Don't you, Will? <laughs> Don't you? I'm just not as eloquent as you are, but yes, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. The only thing he doesn't agree with me on is Ana de Armas because we, we <laughs> converted him on Mission Impossible 3, and we're going to talk about that next week. <laughs> Yes, but uh, as always, will um, yeah, good good pick. This was a this was a, an, a I, I honestly just was like, oh right, there's a third clerks. So like, yeah, I mean that was sort of where I came down. I didn't expect it to sort of like be as meaty as it was. So uh, I mean, was, it's, he's Kevin Kev's a he's a big big part of the lexicon for uh, writers and filmmakers and slovenly white guys our age. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, as always, folks, um, you could find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher isn't going to exist after August, uh, but I think you'll be able to find us on Pandora and RSS. Subscribe, like, comment, uh, whatever you want to do, but always we appreciate you listening, and Will, I appreciate you always being there to chit-chat about bullshit with me, even if we can't even hold down convenience store jobs. <laughs> Yes, always fun. Always a pleasure talking talking nerd shit with you. So. Yeah. And until next time, folks, stand with the WGA, stand with SAG-AFTRA, and uh, we will three you later. <laughs> yeah, he said the line. <laughs>